conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on The Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Jim Benson Show, conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. Today, we're going to look further at what's going on in communist China, the country and murderous, enslaving, terrorizing, totalitarian governmental system so many of our Western business, social, and government elites view as the model for a future world government. In fact, these same fools believe that communist China has a better functioning government than the U.S. or other Western countries, and that they, our supposed elites, will still have their own fabulous wealth and power under such a communistic future world government. I've been stunned to learn of the extent to which our business businesses and corporations have business interests in China. To name just a few examples, Tesla sells half its cars worldwide in China. And you can bet Tesla cars cost a whole lot less there than they do here in the U.S. Likewise, Apple, which reportedly paid the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, $275 billion to do more business in China, is presently China's most widely purchased cell phone. But as one commentator pointed out, the most expensive top-of-the-line iPhone costs about half what it costs here in America, in China. Intel does some $20 billion a year worth of business in China. And I believe it's J.P. Morgan Chase. A lot of the other banks, too, are there. They have, I understand, $20 billion worth of business. I don't know whether that's yearly or in total, but it's still an awful lot. If you've been following the ongoing battles over the mountain of evidence of massive fraud and rigging of the USA's 2020 election that handed the election to Joe Biden, the chosen candidate of communist China, you're also aware that election integrity warrior Mike Lindell and others have been presenting strong evidence that the CCP has been involved in hacking into the electronic voting machines used all over our country and flipping votes originally cast for Donald Trump to Joe Biden. This along with evidence of well-organized and orchestrated paper ballot fraud, especially in the key swing states that decided the election, were what assured Biden's victory and Trump's defeat. Regarding the allegations of the CCP hacking our voting machines and manipulating vote counts, here's some powerful evidence supporting this conclusion, which is included in Mike Lindell's complaint for his lawsuit against voting machine and election management companies Dominion and Smartmatic. You should be aware that these and other related companies which conduct and manage our elections in many states all have the same or very similar hardware and software and are also intertwined in that they've been involved in various mergers and acquisitions down through the years and thus are said to be all vulnerable to being hacked. Specifically, the information from the lawsuit complaint says, quote, in 2018, Dominion was acquired by a private equity firm Staple Street Capital, whose largest shareholder, David Mark Rubenstein, is a co-founder of the Carlyle Group. The Carlyle Group is a global investment firm with long-standing and enormous investments in China. In 2020, mere months before the election, Staple Street Capital, owner of Dominion, received a $400 million investment from UBS Securities, LLC. UBS Securities LLC owns 24.99% of UBS Securities Company Limited 
a Chinese investment bank. The remaining 75% of UBS Securities Company Limited is owned by the Chinese government or various arms of it. At the time of the November 2020 election, the two UBS Securities affiliates shared three common directors. One, Yi Zhang, board chairman of UBS Beijing until his resignation in December 2020, also secretary of People's Bank of China and ex-director of Bank of China International. Two, Mu Lina, director of fund management and head of fund operations for UBS Beijing. And three, Luo Kang, I guess, Kang. <clears throat> Nor do the connections between Dominion, Smartmatic, and China end with the $400 million investment in Dominion parent, Dominion's parent. Five years earlier, beginning in 2015, Smartmatic began using the Chinese company Shenzhen Zhongzhen Nanfang Testing Company Limited to conduct in-depth testing studies and certification of its voting machine, hardware, and software. This relationship continued until at least 2020, just prior to the election. In that role, the Chinese company had complete access to all facets of Smartmatic's devices and software, which shared the same DNA as the Dominion systems, going back to the Diebold Premier Sequoia acquisitions. Worse still, in or around September 2019, Dominion pledged as many as 18 of its patents as collateral with Hong Kong Shanghai Banking Corporation, HSBC, a large Chinese bank. In other words, by the time of the 2020 election, Chinese government-related entities, Chinese technology companies, and powerful Chinese financial interests had direct and indirect ownership of and near total access to Dominion's and Smartmatic's voting machine technology. Small wonder that by then, congressional leaders had serious concerns regarding the spread and effect of private equity investment in many sectors of the economy, including the election technology industry, end quote. Now, I don't understand why this much involvement by communist China in our voting management systems and software and hardware would not be a major security issue, national security issue. But once the election was won by Biden, ostensibly by Biden, everybody shut up. You see, the staggering amount of financial, scientific, and political assistance provided by the U.S. and other Western powers in recent decades has allowed the CCP, which moderately liberalized its state-controlled economy but not its totalitarian political system, to infiltrate and become entwined with almost every aspect of our economic, political, educational, and cultural institutions. Much of this has been accomplished by the CCP offering hefty bribes in one form or another. This has gone far to advance the CCP's long-stated goal of dominating and eventually taking over the USA and the rest of the world. Since Donald Trump saw that this situation, especially the huge economic advantages China was enjoying, was leading to the destruction of our economy and our middle class, and to China's rise as a world economic and military power, he was working to protect the USA's interests, but this was perceived as a threat to the continued growth of China's power and wealth, along with that of their allied lackeys here in the U.S. So, in my opinion, it was decided that Trump had to go. The 2020 election, not to mention others before and after, was rigged. Trump was gotten rid of, and if you believe the evidence for it, the criminal and communist agent Joe Biden was installed in the White House. If you're familiar with the books of journalist and author Peter Schweitzer on the appalling corruption of the Clintons, Bidens, 
and other major U.S. political figures. You may also know that nothing of what Schweitzer has written in these books has been challenged as false, at least that I am aware of. The response to these works by our mainstream Marxist globalist oligarch mouthpiece media seems to be simply to ignore what has been exposed. Now Schweitzer is coming out with a new book titled Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. The book is going on sale this week. A description of the book's contents on Amazon.com states that the Chinese government seeks to infiltrate American institutions is hardly surprising. What is wholly new, however, are the number of American elites who are eager to help the Chinese dictatorship in its quest for global hegemony. Presidential families, Silicon Valley gurus, Wall Street high rollers, Ivy League universities, even professional athletes, all willing to sacrifice American strength and security on the altar of personal enrichment. In red-handed, six-time New York best-selling investigator Peter Schweitzer presents his most alarming findings to date by revealing the secret deals many Americans have cut to help China build its military, technological, and economic might. Equally as astounding, many of these elites quietly believe the Chinese dictatorship regime, I'm sorry, the Chinese dictatorial regime is superior to American democracy, end quote. One of the main proponents of world government with communist China as the model has been the so-called Marxist billionaire globalist George Soros, born Georgi Swartz in Hungary, where he has been declared an enemy of the state for his meddling in Hungarian affairs. Soros, by his detractors in Europe, is known as the almighty leader of the globalists. Soros famously declared some years ago that, quote, China must lead the new world order, the new world economic order, unquote. Well, the new world economic order is the new world order. Though Soros has has often lectured on what he envisions as the ideal open society and supposed democratic form of government, he has historically backed almost every radical left-wing and openly communist organization of the U.S., as well as similar institutions abroad through his network of open society foundations backed by billions, billions of his vast wealth. Soros has vigorously opposed Donald Trump, whom Soros has disparaged as a, quote, con man, unquote, and a, quote, narcissist, unquote. Soros himself has never displayed these traits, right? It's been reported that, all told, after either with his own or his foundation's monies, along with those he's raised from others, Soros was Joe Biden's biggest campaign donor. And it could be argued that Soros virtually owns Biden. The same might also be said of the CCP, which, according to Trump's former lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, has paid Joe Biden and his family members many millions of dollars. Soros has also spent heavily to elect radical left-wing secretaries of state who run our elections, oversee them anyway, and district attorneys across the country. These Soros-backed secretaries of state and rhino, that is Republican in name only, compatriots linked with red, that is communist, Chinese money, have been and continue to vigorously oppose any and all efforts at exposing election fraud, at least for the most part. Supposed Republican and anti-Trump Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger has a brother who, according to political commentator Dick Morris, works for Huawei, the Chinese telecom giant banned from doing business in the U.S. out of espionage concerns. This alone should be enough to prohibit Raffensperger from holding public office, but I'm apparently the only one who thinks that. 
Despite his longstanding support and encouragement of the rise of communist China lately, the rise of communist China, I'm sorry, lately Soros has been singing a different tune amazingly, actually criticizing CCP chairman Xi Jinping and warning against further large-scale investments by Western interests in communist China as a security risk for the West. I couldn't agree with him more in this case. It may be, as commentator David Zhang has noted, that Soros, who thought he was using the CCP as, a proverbial, as the proverbial useful idiots to advance Soros's vague notions of socialist world government and the new world order he and so many other of the elites talk about, it's in fact been the CCP who were using Soros and other Western elites as their useful idiots. This may be why Soros, Soros's puppet, George, Joe Biden, and his administration have been making some efforts lately to stand up to the communist Chinese regime, moving to strengthen alliances with Taiwan, Japan, and other nations in the Indo-Pacific region. Before we listen to sound bites on events in China, let's listen to some audio from President Trump during his speech at a political rally in Arizona, August, I'm sorry, January 15. The particular sound bite, this particular one, has to do with Trump's comments about election fraud in Arizona and the other swing states. One left-wing observer propagandist called Trump's speech incoherent. I will say that in this soundbite, there was a point near the beginning where the video and audio of the speech halted for some reason while I was recording it and picked up a few seconds later, so I was unable to capture all of Trump's words at that point. Also, Trump does change his thought, his train of thought in mid-sentence a few times. But if you've been following Arizona's forensic audit of the 2020 election, the first in the nation, You'll understand perfectly what Trump is referring to, such as when he refers to a recent congressional hearing where Maricopa County election officials reportedly testified that they deleted most of the 2020 election database, which is a federal crime, the day before having under court order to turn it over to the auditors. To make room, they did this, they said, to make room for future election data. But when asked why previous election data was still on their computer system, they couldn't explain. Play sound by one, please. The evidence of fraud is so overwhelming, starting right here in Arizona, where your Republican state senators had the courage, the great courage, to do a full forensic audit. And this was a really good audit of Maricopa County. And, you know, you had a thing called findings, findings. Oh, and they harass these auditors. You wouldn't believe it. These poor people, they come in to do an audit. Their lives have been destroyed, but they've harassed them. So they say I lost the state of Arizona by 10,000 votes. And yet the auditors flagged more than, well, listen to the, by the way, if I lost Arizona, you don't have crowds like this. And again, you don't know what's going on back there. What's going on back there is further than the eye can see. That is serious. But the auditors flagged. So we lost, they say, by, by 10,000, and yet they flagged more than, listen to these numbers, 57,000 highly suspicious ballots for further investigation won. 23,344 mail-in ballots were counted despite the person no longer living at that address. Little, little problem. 5,000 people appear to have voted in more than one county. Not allowed to do that. And 284,000, remember, they say I lost by 10. 284,412 ballot images were, quote, corrupt or missing. 
Other than that, it was a wonderful election. Congratulations. And then you listen to these people say, oh, everything was wonderful. You listen to the fake news saying how it was so wonderful. The rhinos on the Maricopa County Board, they are horrible. The commission even admitted under questioning in Congress from your great congressman, Andy Biggs. He's here someplace. That they had deleted. Listen, Andy went, they made their statement, you know, their typical statement. I was going to say a bad word, but I see some young, beautiful children up here. (laughs) But they made, and I was also going to come in without the hat, but I said, it's windy as hell here, and I don't want to screw up any visions of my wonderful hair. It's windy. They said, sir, if you want to have a lot of hair blown all over the place, don't wear your hat. I said, give me a hat, please. But Andy Biggs did a great job, and he was in Congress, and they read this statement, which was nonsense. And then he asked them a couple of basic questions, and they looked like a bunch of real dumb, unpatriotic, crooked people. They had deleted, he asked them, why had they deleted much of the data which was under subpoena. That's not a bad question. They couldn't answer it. Why? Why? Why did you delete everything? Why did you delete so much? They couldn't answer the question. There can only be one reason. Your rhino Republican governor, Doug Ducey, and a group of other rhinos that you have, they did nothing to help our country or our state. And by the way, he's so terrible. And, And remember this. Immense evidence of fraud impacting tens and tens and tens of thousands of ballots has also been reported out of Pima County and other counties where we weren't even looking. They weren't even looking at Pima County and they've got tens of thousands of votes. And then you hear there's nothing wrong with the election. And you know what? We still have it in other states. We're now anxiously awaiting for Attorney General Bronovich. And hopefully he's going to do his job. I think he's a good man. I think he's going to do his job. We'll find out. I think it's a very easy job to do because anybody with any comments, any common sense is going to look and they're going to take a look and they're going to say this was a total fraud. But the attorney general is now looking and hopefully he's going to do his job. All we want him to do is his job. Well, he's got to move quickly. I would say that. We've all been waiting a long time. I understand what you're saying, but to take appropriate action along with the state legislature regarding what we call the big steal. It was a big, corrupt steal. And hopefully the attorney general and your state legislatures will be smart and fair and decisive and let the world know what the hell happened in Arizona, because it's happening in other states right now, even at a level maybe beyond Arizona. Our elections have to be cited. We have to be decided by legal votes only, legal votes only. And that's the only way we save our country and we save our democracy. More evidence is coming, and it's coming very, very fast. In Georgia, the Secretary of State is now really looking at an investigation that I think is going to be a bombshell. And supposedly it's on tape, it's on camera, and we'll see what happens. But they have illegal ballot harvesting at a level that nobody could even believe possible. So we're going to see what happens in Georgia. But it's far more than necessary 
to win the state of Georgia, just like this is far more than necessary to win the state of Arizona. And in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and other states, many things are likewise happening and they're happening fast. And the people are very angry. And I'm talking about political people, politicians. They got duped and now they're finding out what happened. The people have to be free to find the answers to a very corrupt election. And if not, they will never trust again. And our country will be absolutely decimated. I found over the years that Trump's often correct about what he's saying. He may say it in ways that some people don't understand, but he's usually right about things. I sure hope that in this case, Trump is also right about the movement to expose election fraud and establish election integrity. Because if our elections remain rigged, we've lost our country. Moving on, let's listen to an interview also on January 15th with China Observer and author Gordon Chang by Frank Gaffney on his Securing America program. You can find these shows on his SecuringAmerica.tv website. This was rebroadcast on Rumble.com also. He has a channel there. Please play Soundbite 2. Welcome to Securing America with me, Frank Gaffney, the program that's a kind of owner's manual for protecting the country we love. It's always important to understand the most serious of the very numerous threats we are facing now from around the world, namely the Chinese Communist Party. And to do that, I can't think of a better person to discuss what the Chinese Communist Party is up to at the moment and what it has in mind for us than our first guest. His name is Gordon Chang. He's no stranger to this program's audience uh, and I think to Americans more generally. He is one of our country's leading experts on China and Asia and so much more. He's the author of a number of important books, including The Great U.S.-China Tech War and a special favorite of mine, The Coming Collapse of China. You can find his writings frequently at places like the Gatestone Institute, The Hill, Newsweek, and 1945. And you can also, as I do myself, and strongly encourage you to do, follow Gordon at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Gordon, welcome back to Securing America. It's so good to have you with us, sir. Thank you, Frank. I wanted just to sort of set the stage for conversations we're going to be having momentarily with another of our guests, Lawrence Sellen, about um, the threat that the Chinese Communist Party poses to us by Kind of level setting with you, you've got a very clear-eyed view of this uh, based in part on a pretty formal declaration of people's war against our country. Remind us what that was about and how it bears on what the Chinese are doing. In May 2019, People's Daily, which is the most authoritative publication in China, carried a piece that declared a quote-unquote people's war on the U.S., and this hostility has continued to the present time because in late August of last year, People's Daily actually carried a piece that um, said the United States was committing, quote unquote, barbaric acts against China. You know, we Americans look at this and say, oh, this is just propaganda. It can't mean anything. But the reason why this is significant, Frank, is because Beijing is laying the justification for a strike on the American homeland. That's not to say that they'll do it. 
But that's to say in their own minds that they have the right to do it. And that means trouble, of course. Yeah. This is a telegraphing of a punch that would presumably be executed if it were to come about in connection with other things that they've also been making very clear they have in mind. Gordon, talk a little bit about um, their threats to Taiwan at the moment. Well, China believes that Taiwan is its 34th province. People in Taiwan say no. Um, they want good relations with Beijing, but they're their independent sovereign state. People on the island don't view themselves as Chinese. They view themselves as Taiwanese. We see this from self-identification surveys, which consistently show that somewhere between 75 to 85 percent of the people view themselves as Taiwanese only. And the people on the island who view themselves as Chinese only is always in the low single digits. So Taiwan um, is a sovereign state and it's an important, vibrant democracy. And we absolutely have to protect it because defending Taiwan, for many reasons, is really defending the United States. Yeah, this is such a key point, and I don't know that all of us understand that at the moment, Gordon. Um, to the extent that Taiwan is in the crosshairs of the Chinese Communist Party, and we may be because we would con- come to their aid, uh, they have also set their sights on India at the moment. What's up with that? And do you think they could possibly be contemplating attacks against all of these parties. Well, China attacked India uh, two years ago in Ladakh and killed 20 Indian soldiers, um, plus an additional soldier later on. Um, Beijing claims a good portion of India uh, as its own. And indeed, remember, Xi Jinping has been talking about how China is the world's only sovereign state. So it's not only attacks against India, um, the incursions into Taiwan's air defense identification zone, uh, incursions into Japanese territorial water um, near the Senkaku Islands in the East China Sea. Also, China has been uh, acting very aggressively against the Philippines. And in November of last year, the State Department actually even threatened the use of force against China um, because of China's actions at Second Thomas Shoal. So this China is a country that can strike anywhere along its periphery to its uh, to its east and to its south. And to the extent that that may not just be something they could do, but they actually have plans to do, Gordon Chang, obviously the necessity of deterring China from acting on those plans has to be a very high priority. Are we doing the sorts of things that we should be doing for example, adopting a war footing in this country as a part of that effort? We're not doing enough. We're not doing nearly enough. And this is not just a complaint against the current occupant of the Oval Office. His predecessors also did not do enough because uh, Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, actually thinks that he might be able, because of disarray in the current White House, for instance, to be able to do something provocative. And it's not just a question, Frank, of Xi Jinping waking up one morning and saying, we're invading Taiwan. It's China's provocative actions that could spiral out of control. So you see, for instance, um, the Chinese planes flying very close to Taiwan Islands. Um, They challenged the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Air Force in the global commons. Um, An accident like the one in April 2001 Um, That could spiral out of control the next time. And we know that in China right now, because of the makeup of the political system, only hostile answers are considered to be acceptable. So I don't see that there could be a compromise as there was in April 2001. 
Yeah. Look, at a minimum, Gordon, whether we adopt fully uh, your seven-point program for disengaging with China or not, and I hope we will, we've got to stop doing the sorts of things American companies are doing. As uh, the Epic Times put it, supercharging the Chinese Communist Party's military capabilities and, for that matter, their civilian competitive uh, capabilities as well. Whether it's our financing of those things or whether it's our transfer of a vast amounts of technology. We're going to be talking with uh, Lawrence Sellin here momentarily about what we've been doing, even in the area of biological warfare, for heaven's sakes. That has to stop. Your clarity on all of these points, Gordon Chang, is so valuable and so much appreciated at this program. I hope you'll come back to us again often in 2022. In the meantime, stay well, my friend. Here's the other interview mentioned by Gaffney on his same January 50 program with retired U.S. Army Colonel and Ph.D. Lawrence on the origins of the COVID-19 virus and how it was made possible by CCP agents training as scientists here in the USA. Also discussed are other aspects of the CCP's frightening and burgeoning biological warfare programs. Play sound by three, please. Welcome back. And a very special welcome to our next guest. Um, he's a regular here, I'm pleased to say, at Securing America, Colonel Dr. Lawrence Sellen. He's a veteran of uh, combat operations in Afghanistan and Iraq in the course of his 29 years of service in the United States Army Reserve, which also included a stint at the Army's biodefense lab at Fort Detrick. Um, he has a PhD in virology and related subjects. He is an extraordinary resource who has been successful in international business as well as medical research. You can follow him as I do at Lawrence Sellen. It's good to have you with us, Colonel Doctor. Thank you for joining us once again. You have been Thank tracking, you. as I think very few others have, uh, the body of evidence that points to a direct link between the Wuhan Institute of Virology and a biological warfare program in China, of which it is a part, and this so-called Wuhan virus. Uh, I think of it as the Chinese Communist Party virus. Others call it COVID-19. Give us a quick tour of what we've just learned about that from um, a source inside the Defense Department. Yes, you're quite right, Frank. Uh, there have been two important revelations in the past week. Now, the first one comes from Project Veritas, which obtained a leaked memorandum uh, written in August of last year by Marine Major Joseph Murphy to the Inspector General of the Department of Defense. Now, this memo is, is highly revealing. Uh, Major Murphy's memorandum is based on a 2018 research grant application called Project Diffuse, Diffusing the Threat of Bat-Borne Coronaviruses. Uh, this was submitted by Peter Daszak, head of the EcoHealth Alliance, and was sent to the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency called DARPA. Uh, that 2018 DARPA research grant application, which reads like a recipe for COVID-19, mm. has been publicly available for months. But this is the first inside the government corroboration of what many have suspected. Now, Major Murphy was working at DARPA and explicitly states in the memo, COVID-19, quote, is an American-created recombinant bat vaccine or its precursor virus, end quote. That is, COVID-19 was made in a laboratory. 
Major Murphy states, although Peter Daszak's $14 million DARPA grant was rejected because it included dangerous gain-of-function experiments with potential for bioweapon development by China, the funding was continued under Anthony Fauci with experiments conducted in China at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, according to Major Murphy, an incomplete precursor virus was released, presumably through an, a laboratory accident in August of 2019, and thereafter, again presumably, circulating and mutating within the Chinese population until reaching an epidemic-producing state in November and December of 2019. Now, Major Murphy also questions the vaccine mandates given the potential uh, toxicity of mRNA vaccines and cr criticizes the official suppression by the U.S. government of early intervention therapeutics like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, which his analysis found efficacious for treating coronavirus infections. Now, coming from someone inside the U.S. government, these are blockbuster accusations. They are. And as you say, presumably... He's putting the best possible face on this. It may be that he's erring on the side of being uh, uh, unduly conservative and that, in fact, some of these were deliberately unleashed on us. Uh, Lawrence, again, you've been drilling down on all of this and just remind us of the nature of this illegal biological warfare program that China has been undertaking for decades that may make much more plausible the explanation that this was by design, or certainly something that they have um, benefited from in terms of a proof of concept having had it get away from them. Yes, if you look at China's biowarfare program, it actually exists in three levels. The first level is a secret military level, which includes uh, uh, military research centers and uh, military hospitals. Now, in China, there's no difference between civilian and military research. So included in that are all of China's universities, all of uh, China's so-called civilian research centers, like the Wuhan Institute uh, of Virology and even some uh, Chinese biotech companies. Now, these are connected out to uh, international laboratories, in particular in the United States, which gives the, the uh core level, military level in China, access to all this knowledge, skills, technologies, and even funding uh, within the United States that they feed into their biowarfare program. This is unbelievable. And, and your research indicates that that level of penetration of our own research institutions, laboratories, universities, and so on, is continuing at the present time. Is that correct? As well as the kind of support that we have seen given to these labs in China? Yes, that's that, uh, absolutely correct, Frank. There's massive infiltration of U.S. research programs, in particular U.S. virus research programs. There are Chinese Communist uh, Party scientists and People's Liberation Army scientists that have been coming to the United States for over 30 years. Now, some of them get trained and return to China, but many of them stay in the United States, even become U.S. citizens and use the funding they get from institutions like the National Institutes of Health 
to fund their research that feeds into China's biowarfare program. So we're paying, in other words, to make the enemy more capable of using biological warfare against us, something I think you would agree they've already begun to do with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. You mentioned there were two revelations this month, and I wanted to ask you about the second. I think it was telegraphed by something that was in Major Murphy's memorandum as well. Talk a little bit about the suppression of the therapies that might have made a huge difference in the kind of damage done by the Chinese BW program to the American people and our economy and society. Yes, within uh, Major Murphy's memo, he talks about uh, early intervention therapeutics like hydroxychloroquine and uh, ivermectin. Now, uh, these have been, in his opinion, deliberately uh, suppressed by U.S. officials. And this information uh, coincides with other activities within the U.S. government, for example, to suppress any investigation of the laboratory origin of COVID-19. And that is the second revelation that came this week from the House Republicans, who released emails from Anthony Fauci and NIH Director Francis Collins. Now, by January 27, 2020, now this is very early in the pandemic, Fauci knew he had funded the EcoHealth Alliance, which had funneled money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And Fauci knew he had funded dangerous gain-of-function research with the potential for bioweapon development. On February 1st, 2020, again, very early in the pandemic, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, and at least 11 other scientists convened a conference call to discuss COVID-19. It was in on that conference call that Fauci and Collins were first warned that COVID-19 may have leaked from a Chinese laboratory and may have been genetically manipulated. Uh, during the next three days, it was decided by Fauci, Collins, and those scientists who were participating in the discussions, many of whom could be considered complicit in the creation of COVID-19, that they would intentionally suppress any public discussions that COVID-19 had originated in a Chinese laboratory. And subsequent to that, as we see from Fauci's policy, focusing only on a vaccine, they deliberately neglected uh, early intervention therapeutics that could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Yeah. I th- neglected is uh, a charitable way to describe it. I think they actively sabotaged the adoption of these therapies as well. And, and as you say, hundreds of thousands of people may have been needlessly murdered as a result. Lawrence, speaking of murder, um, the Chinese Communist Party seems to be afflicted, providentially perhaps, by their own hand at the moment. There are reports that uh, as many as 65 million Chinese are currently in some state of very serious lockdown by the party because of uh, COVID-19 and one of its manifestations or perhaps hemorrhagic fever or something else. Talk very quickly, if you could, uh, about whether it is advisable under these circumstances for American athletes to be going to Beijing for the Winter Olympics in February. 
Well, the short answer, Frank, is no, they shouldn't go. They should boycott the Olympics uh, for nothing else than for health reasons, because as you correctly point out, uh, coronavirus variants are, are uh, rampaging through China at the moment. Uh, a lot of the country is locked down, as you point out, but also there are reports of hemorrhagic fever viruses. Now, these viruses are far, far more dangerous yes. with lethalities up to an over 70 percent. So oh. it would behoove uh, U.S. officials to not send our athletes to into such a dangerous, dangerous situation. Amen. Lawrence, we have to leave it at that. Thank you for this update. I hope that we'll be able to talk to you in the next weeks about further revelations, and hopefully, most especially, the cancellation of these games. Speaking of revelations, you may be aware of the recent revelations that Dr. Anthony Fauci, the highest paid federal bureaucrat in the nation, has sizable investments in communist Chinese companies through a mutual fund he has money with, a lot of money with. If you watch and listen to the mainstream Marxist globalist oligarch mouthpiece media, you've been bombarded with propaganda about how China, China, China is such a great economic model of success for the entire world. But if you look on the Internet, thanks to our First Amendment, to our Constitution, even on YouTube, owned by Google, you can find a lot of information about how, in reality, the CCP-controlled Chinese economy is in serious trouble. It's an economy that's been based on decades of irresponsible borrowing, foreign technology theft, and lack of ecological and other restraints. It's a policy referred to by CCP as growth at any cost, and it's beginning to haunt the Chinese people. Among other things, they're running out of drinking water because their groundwater has been so polluted in so many areas that they, it's unusable. Here's some audio from the BL channel on YouTube, January 8th. It's titled, China Cannot Maintain the Same Economic Model. Play sound by four, please. Excessive reliance on exports and borrowing make economic growth unsustainable. When China's economy had just opened up in the 1990s, it mainly relied on demographic dividends and preferential policies to attract FDI foreign direct investment. Since then the Chinese Communist Party has led the country with a fast-track growing state of mind to become the best in the world. In order to achieve the goal as fast as possible, they have developed an unsustainable economy that relies heavily on foreign debts and exporting. Xie Tian, a marketing professor at the Aiken School of Business at the South Carolina University, told the Epoch Times on January 6 that China's economic development is quite deformed. It relies on excessive and wasteful investment, and now it has begun to taste the consequences, it is overly relying on exports. China's economy is very, very dependent on the world economy, and China has also begun to taste the consequences. Tian said that the entire world economy imposed restrictions on China. However, China's export volume is still high, while the growth rate has slowed down, external debt and external expenditures are increasing. The reality is domestic consumption in China has always been weak. Demoting creative and innovation systems in China pays the price when being cut off technology transfer. Talking about China's over-reliance on exports, Xie Tian said that more than two-thirds of China's major exports are joint ventures established by foreign companies in China. These companies are export-oriented. 
dependence on Western technology and advanced manufacturing technology is CCP's biggest weakness. Western countries started to realize that their intelligence property is spilled out under the name of globalization. New protection of copyright and regulations are imposed by the West to stop China from stealing. Foreign investors are slowly withdrawing their high-tech segment from China. China's economic crisis has started to appear. Wu Jialong, Taiwanese financial expert, told the Epoch Times that China's entire economy is in decline. Chinese market appears limited to foreign investors. Take electronic chip as an example. Jialong added that the lithography machine that produces the chip is from Netherlands. The particular chemical material of the optical apparatus is from Japan, and the memory comes from Korea. Epistar is manufactured, packaged, and tested in Taiwan. Device and controlled software in the United States. Under such circumstances, it is almost impossible for the CCP to engage in innovation independently. There are many unfair trading practices, including the criterions for entering the market. Therefore, for foreign companies, the Chinese market is becoming more and more challenging to operate. Borrowing economy is unsustainable. The Chinese regime borrowed to stimulate the economy in 2008. Debt growth rate has increased rapidly and surpassed the economy's growth rate. It is unsustainable and risky in long term. Wu Jialong discussed that the economic benefit generated from borrowing money in the Chinese economy is too low, because the power fuel for China's economic growth has disappeared. Fixed investment, real estate, consumption, and employment have all stalled. And the growth momentum of the entire economy slowed. Therefore, there is no way to generate economic benefits and generate investment returns. If you can't pay, a debt bubble will burst. Jialong considered China's debt crisis caused by state-owned enterprises. This debt crisis will first affect the finances of the banking system, and then turning into a systematic financial risks. China could not repay the debt, whether it is a domestic debt or an USD debt. Property developers cannot complete the projects to cash out the final round as the real estate market is dropped dead. China's economy must face the coming chained effects in defaults. Once state-owned enterprises, governments, and institutions officially default on their foreign debts, there will be no institutions buying their bonds. Without buyers and investors, bond issuance will not work. Therefore, it will be very troublesome if the authorities have a debt crisis, because the total foreign exchange reserves are no longer enough. China's advantaged sources gradually missing. China's demographic dividend, environmental dividend, policy dividend, and many other attractive sources to foreign investors no longer exist. Wu Jialong analyzed that China's demographic dividend is the first absent advantage. China's cheap labor has slowly been diminishing. Secondly, the environmental dividend has been used up, and the CCP is sacrificing the environment to engage in economic development. Nowadays, most of the groundwater is unusable, and pollution is serious. Air pollution is also severe, and the destruction of the environment has reached the limit. CCP's regulations and industrial management policies are often unclear and uncertain, etc. 
In addition, there is no quick fix for China's unsolving problems such as lacking protection on intellectual property rights. The technology business environment in China went from easy access and fastest updates to unprotected. Many foreign investment incentives and dividends have disappeared. Developed countries can study the success of advanced developed countries. This is called the latecomer advantage. China's advantages as a latecomer have been overly abused, turning the interest groups into opposition. The truth unfolding, China closes its door to prevent information spilling and maintain better control. Jialong said that the CCP has been decoupling to maintain absolute control in the mainland. The CCP has pushed out a new strategy called internal circulation, delinking China from the world. First of all, it uses various excuses not to buy from other countries. It does not have enough foreign currency to pay foreign companies. For the same reason in unsustainable foreign currency reserve, the Chinese Communist Party restricts Chinese citizens from going abroad and traveling to stop foreign currency flowing out of China. They also called for Chinese living abroad to come back. Furthermore, the Communist Party does not want the power of liberalism to be bought into China. It is safer for the Communists to keep their distance from the West. Backing up relations with Western countries is the CCP's goal. Xie Tian also said that mainstream Western societies are now slowly realizing that the CCP's economy is a bubble, an inflated false illusion. In fact, the CCP has been falsifying its economic data for a long time. Now that Chinese real estate companies continue to default, the bubble in the real estate market is beginning to burst. The illusion of China's economic prosperity is slowly beginning to shatter. These Western financial institutions slowly adjust their attitudes and have begun to speak out that the Chinese economy is not as strong as its data shows. Wu Jialong says many advantages of China's economic model have now been used up and gone over the decades. China cannot maintain the same economic model in the next two years. Here's some more audio on China's current economic downturn and what it may mean for other nations including the USA. This is from what's called the Stoic Finance Channel on YouTube, January 20. It's titled, China's Collapse is So Much Worse Than You Think. It includes talk of a large-scale unemployment beginning to hit the Chinese people. Soundbite starts after the commentator discussed the CCP's crackdown on Chinese tech companies, including Alibaba, founded by Chinese billionaire Jack Ma. The crackdown began last year after Ma criticized the CCP for being too restrictive on entrepreneurs. The CCP then fined one of Ma's companies billions and halted an IPO for it. After that, Ma related he'd been poisoned and almost died, then disappeared for months. Since resurfacing publicly, Ma has been very quiet, appears to be followed, by, followed around by a CCP security detail, and seems to be taking the CCP's side politically. One observer commented recently that Ma had secret investors linked to a rival faction of CCP chairman Xi Jinping, Led by former Chinese leader Zhang Zemin. Please play sound by five. We are living in a world of two hegemons, one in the East and one in the West, but there is a significant distinction between the Chinese and American markets. What the tech crackdown reveals is that China is considerably more willing to compromise investor interests to achieve state aims 
Whether on a surface level or in substance, only time will tell. The reality before us today is that according to the latest regulatory crackdowns, around $400 billion worth of investor value in Chinese companies listed in the United States alone has been wiped off. And a hefty amount of that wealth that has disappeared had been in the hands of Western investors. When Western markets show that amount of risk, as they did in 2008, it is frequently seen as a setback rather than a policy victory. Now, there's little to be said about a nation with a loose foundation. On the outside, it may look like because everything is managed and decided by the government, the systems function like clockwork, but the truth is unfathomably ugly. Place yourself in the shoes of the average Chinese citizen for a moment. You're living in constant fear of the government's diktat. The success of most of the investments you're about to make or have made is subject to the whims of Z. The success of most of the investments you're about to make or have made is subject to the whims of Xi and how he's feeling on any random. Day. Because of the weird residential policies, you're ineligible for affordable housing and public transport. Your job is under constant threat because companies are going bankrupt. The country is running out of fresh water to drink because of years of unsustainable manufacturing practices that have led to severe contamination of major water bodies. Even manufacturing has started to crumble as the country witnesses serious electricity issues and creditors are showing signs of distress. Day in and day out, the authoritarian government fakes news and inflates economic progress to keep blinders on the people and keep them artificially satisfied. You have capitalists like Jack Ma encouraging the working class of the country to work from 9am to 9pm, six days a week like cattle. This is real. Southeast Asian countries, and especially China, are guilty of overworking employees to their tipping point to compete in the already compressed labour market of the world. The average Chinese citizen is exhausted to say the least. For the past two years, the world has put China in a rough spot for the pandemic as well. We can only speculate on how things went down in Wuhan, but today, the general public of China bears the brunt of the pandemic. The debt bubble will lead to the collapse of giant real estate firms like Evergrande, terrible government practices and corruption in sectors like public transport, and bullying conglomerates that provide real jobs, income and value to the ecosystem are only leading to compounded resentment in the economy. It seems like China will be the perpetrator of another global pandemic, a global financial pandemic. The entire world will be financially sick once China is done dusting its hands. Let's hope and pray that there's still time, along with enough uncorrupted judges and officials, to turn things around so that we can stop the goal of turning the USA into a vassal state of China. This is the aim of the communists and their allies, the globalists and the oligarchs. The same oligarchs have been making the financial killing in and from China, along with their cronies in the CCP, who along with their families, have also become fabulously rich. That's a wrap for another show. As always, we hope you found the content of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted in the next few days on the Jim Benson Show page at bbsradio.com. Look for us again in the same time slot two weeks from today. Have a great rest of your day and evening.